Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we specialize in helping leaders solve the tough people problems that are slowing their company's growth. Joining me today from Atlanta is Rob Bingham. Rob is the founder of Converging Solutions. His company helps medium to large organizations design and build customized training and communication solutions. Welcome, Rob. Thank you, Mike. Great to be here. I'm glad you're with us. We're going to be talking here in a few minutes a bit about Converging Solutions target problem-solving approach. I'm intrigued by that, and I think our listeners will be as well. But before we do that, Rob, you and I have known each other for a number of years. We reconnected not long ago. But can you share with our viewers and this listeners a little bit about who you are and how you got into the business you're in? Specifically, how did you go about the process of starting Converging Solutions? Yeah, a great question. Thanks, Mike. And it's it's an honor to be with you and really appreciate the work that you do with leaders. Leadership today is, uh, it, it it's becoming critically, critically, it's always been important, right? But it's critically important in these times of uncertainty. There's just so much going on. Converging Solutions, I started the company about, it's been uh, a little over 15 years ago now. And uh, I came to it after having a a nice corporate career working in telecom. And actually, as I was starting Converging Solutions, I realized I didn't understand sales and marketing as much as I needed to. And so I had a couple kind of starts. It was truly an entrepreneurial effort. And uh, I actually hired back inside of a company, United Health Group, I was contracting with them for a while, and then they offered me a role as a a sales training uh, director. And I thought, hey, I don't know enough about sales. I better better think about this a couple times. Not only from, I'm not sure I'm qualified for this role, but also, man, think of all the things I could learn. And so it was a converging solution in that moment. So through that process, I really have uh, learned a whole lot about the sales pipeline and how to really uh, consult with the client. I, I feel like I have had a consultant head, a problem solving head, learning strategy is the way I usually talk about it because most people reach out to converging solutions looking for some sort of a training a strategy, some sort of training, there's some sort of training need that they have. What is unique about the way we approach it is I'll tell people, um, I understand you want a training solution for this problem, but it may not be training that is your issue. And so I'll, I'll push back gently, respectfully, but say you may have a leadership issue here and there may be a, something that you're communicating and I guess the if there is a typical scenario that everybody can kind of relate to, especially in the HR and training worlds, is operations will say, hey, you need to train these people how to take care of the customer. And so we can build the training and 30, 60, 90 days later, the operations will come back and they'll go, didn't you train these people how to take care of the customer? And we say, yeah, yeah, we did. Well, why aren't they doing it? Well, I don't know. Why don't we ask them? And you sit down with a focus group and you say, do you know what to do to take care of the customer? Oh yeah, we're supposed to do A, B, and C, and they, you know, they recite it. They learned what they were supposed to learn at training. Well, then why aren't you doing it? 
oh, well, because you tell me to take care of 30 customers an hour or mm -hmm. some other dysfunctional behavior that we're setting them up for failure instead of success, or there's a win-lose instead of a win-win, right? And they've got to make a choice. I had an employee in one of these situations, and this was whenever I worked in telecoms in a call center environment. We piloted a, a project, and one of them said to me, we didn't, we didn't give them an exact time that they had to be off the phone, and they had become very accustomed to and, but this was a new queue, a new troubleshooting kind of thing. And we said, you know what, we'll figure out what the call time is. And the person literally said, you know what, I've been working here for a while. And until you give me another call time to hit, I'm not going to jeopardize my bonus because my family depends on that to make ends meet. So I'm going to be hitting that number, the old number until you give me a new number. And if that's the culture we're creating, then there's something that is way outside of training that we've got to address. And Converging Solutions takes that into account. Three pillars in Converging Solutions. Learning is just one of them. Communications and performance support are the other that we, the other inputs, if you will, that we really try to help leaders of organizations work from a strategy perspective with the training function. And especially in uh, medium-sized organizations, a lot of them are just formulating, we need a formal training function. And that's really a sweet spot of ours is helping medium-sized businesses, small medium-sized businesses figure out what that trajectory looks like. And a lot of times we will be, the, we're doing this for a couple of clients right now where we're the outside external support partner. And then we help them actually begin to develop their training department, if you will, or learning organization within within the company. Rob, as you've been describing Converging Solutions, there's a fair number of parallels between your company and Bench Builders, but I was very intrigued to hear what you said about those three pillars. Our listeners sometimes do what we all do, and that is we look at a situation and conclude, ah, this is a training problem. And if there's not a willingness to step back and address, how would that training be received? What is the organization structure? What is the culture? What processes are in place or not in place to reinforce this new behavior? That if you don't pay attention to these things, a very well-planned and executed training program doesn't meet expectations because you're not taking those things into consideration. Right. I remember when you and I first met a number of years ago, one thing that somewhat impressed me is you literally have taken this whole idea of kind of solving the problem kind of to a new level. You've actually have kind of adopted problem solving, a methodology that you actually call target. And I was hoping that in our time together, you could kind of give us a kind of a high level overview of your target problem solving approach. Yeah, so an, an interesting story, as COVID was happening uh, a couple years ago now, just starting up in earnest, I was in the middle of writing an article and I thought, you know, this, is, this may be a good time for this article as we're trying to navigate what, what next, what normal is going to look like next. And if you're familiar with VUCA, the 
volatile uncertainty that we were facing and complexity of business and business models at the time. So I started to write about the target model and it was in, we were going to be published in TD Magazine in March of last year, 2020. And by the end of the year, the editors called and said, you know what, this might be really good to have our readers see in January. So they moved it up a couple months, which was really a nice, nice honor. And if you go out to our website, and I'm going to uh, share my screen here just momentarily to give you a visual, out on our website, convergingsolutions.com, uh, you'll see you know, our uh, links to our portfolio and the three different pillars I referred to, learning, communications, performance. If you scroll down just a little bit, target is right here. Tearing down preconceptions, assembling a comprehensive set of ideas, which has to do with the diverging strategies, and we can talk more about these. I just wanted you to have a visual. Reflect and refine theories, gather specific resources, convergent strategies, engaging solutions and test new findings. And here is a color visual of it. And so that can be very helpful as you're trying to jog your memory about what was, what was T? What did that stand for again? So I just refer to that to say, yeah, this, this whole piece of tearing down preconceptions is really, really the essence of what Target is all about because we come at life and understandably, we've been doing it for years. We come at life with our own filters and our own perceptions and our own way of looking at life. And especially right now where there's so much polarization, I always refer audiences to check out the Netflix documentary called The Social Dilemma. Mm. If you haven't seen it, it is very, very eye-opening. And what's fascinating is to realize that it was actually filmed and documented before our last election cycle. And, and they talk about the, you know, we have extreme left and extreme right, and they have some allegories that, so it's a documentary that's interviewing executives of all these social media companies and talking about how by design, they designed them to be addictive and to feed us perceptions that we have clicked on before, they know what we're going to like. And so we get deeper and deeper and deeper into this well of siloed thinking. And so T, which, you know, I created this model 10, well, I, close to 15 years ago now, it was just a year or two into the company. T is really that personal responsibility to, to tear down our own preconceptions. What is it that we are stuck on and what skip are we replaying to refer back to that old technology of a record player that most people in your audience may not even know what it is anymore. My son asked me, this is three, four years ago now, a teenager. He said, dad, what is a cassette? A cassette? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it made us laugh and go, we had, what is cassette? We thought casket maybe, but he was talking about a cassette. And so anyway, old technologies. If we can figure out how to get outside of that, jump out of that uh, groove that we are stuck in and look at the world from another perspective, that's critically, critically important. So let me pause there. I can talk you through the rest, but I just wanted to pause for reflection. I, I think you set the stage very nice for the target model. So let's just kind of keep working through. If T is tear down preconceptions, A is assemble 
a comprehensive set of ideas, that is divergent strategies. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. So as we are tearing down our preconceptions, it sets us up to look at things differently than we have before. And this is that the classic model of how many different uses can you brainstorm uh, for a paperclip or for a brick. And, uh, and so it, it's only as we begin to celebrate, and this it, very synergistic with diversity, diversity awareness, diversity themes. One of the reasons that diversity is so good for business is because it helps we recognize that we are looking through our filter and we need other people's filters to help us come up with a more comprehensive solution. So when we are assembling that comprehensive set of ideas, we ask for it and we become open to different inputs, especially if we've checked our preconceptions at the door. So as in classic brainstorming rules, rulemaking, you, you check at the door your, oh, that's a bad idea. That'll never work. We don't have enough budget for that. All of those things go out the window. And through COVID, you really have seen some businesses who, you know, the food businesses that started selling hand sanitizer and uh, toilet paper, you know, you came to pick up food and suddenly you had a little general store there and it was a innovative, creative, and really made the difference in whether you went to your favorite restaurant down the street or the one that also has the supplies that by the way, we need, maybe we can get a, you know, one more roll of toilet paper <laughs> and it becomes a real strategic partnership kind of way of thinking about how do we better serve you and the needs you have. So all these, you know, comprehensive set of ideas that flies in the face of, you know, marketing is, you know, your niche, you know, your customer, you're aiming for that, that client and you're getting more and more targeted in this world that was completely blown up. We started to become considerate of out of the box solutions that we hadn't uh, thought about before. And then from there, we go to reflect on those solutions. We turn, you know, if it's a stone analogy, we are turning that stone over. We're looking at the underside. So if we did this, if we made this move, what's that going to do to, oh, we've got to think about how do we get that product in? And are we setting people up for frustration or are we, are we going to take payments with credit card? What are the benefits of doing that versus actually being low cost leader and offering people a lower price if they pay cash, whatever the model is. After you have had that reflect and refining theory piece of the process, which is really incubation time, you don't do this all in one setting. You typically, in a best case scenario, you will allow at least a night or two of thought process, maybe a week or two to let ideas just tumble. And that's where you come up with some of those interesting insights that you wouldn't think of uh, unless you're in the shower or sleeping through the night and wake up with a, a eureka moment. And then we think, wow, okay, I see that things could go this direction. And that's really intriguing because I would never have thought of that before. But because of the way that this idea came together with this idea and this person contributed, and we have some sort of a solution here that's really intriguing. Now, what resources, if I'm going to gather specific resources, what resources would help move that proposed solution forward? We engage those solutions, E, we test those findings, 
And that piece can happen fairly rapidly depending upon the complexity of the solution. And sometimes what if we've taken time to tear down the preconceptions and the old way of doing things and we really are rethinking processes, sometimes it's it, it can be that this is such an intuitive solution that we were standing in the way of as a business, as a company, there's a much more streamlined way to do it. So sometimes the engaging solutions and testing findings doesn't take a lot of propping up. And sometimes if it's a sophisticated solution, we need to plan next year's budget. We've got to go here because this is going to make us so strategically different from our competition that it's worth the investment. It just depends on what that solution is and how the uh, proverbial stars align, so to speak. Um, and, and so you can see by the nature of the model that it's an iterative model. After you've tested your findings, you, you're thinking about, did we hit the mark? Are we, do we go into production now? Or is this just prototype and we need to tweak it further? And what I really like about the model too is it's not just coming up with the first idea and implementing it and then iterating, 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 which most business doesn't have the tolerance for and the bandwidth for. We got to aim at getting it right the first time. And so what I, what I help people understand is if you take this target model that is presented as a two-dimensional figure and, and you lay it down flat on a table and then you pull it up, it becomes a three-dimensional kind of a cyclone. And then you have that cyclone analogy that is really, really powerful because as you're iterating, you are getting closer and closer to the target. And I really like to, we're, we're going deep in analogy here, but I, I also challenge people to think about if this analogy is the cyclone of, of, of a toilet bowl, we are actually flipping it this way. So we are spiraling up. And that's an analogy that I never realized um, Stephen Covey wrote about years ago in part of his seven habits. And when I ran into it in the book, I was like, uh, on the one hand, I was like so validated. I was like, that, that's right, Stephen, that is exactly it. That's up. And then I was like, oh, he did this a couple of decades ago. Maybe it's been three or four, you know? So it was, a, it was that humbling moment and that validating moment all rolled into one. You know, Rob, what you have just done for our listeners is kind of given a, a verbal walkthrough. We very quickly saw the target model. We're going to be including a link to that in the show notes. But just for those who are listening, let me recap target. T, tear down preconceptions. A, assemble a comprehensive set of ideas. R, reflect and refine your theories. G, gather specific resources. E, engage solutions and T, test new findings, target. Now, I wanted to go down this path a bit with you, Rob, because I introduced you as a, a, a customized training organization, a communications organization, and for the people who are kind of listening, this is a relatively sophisticated model. And what you start off by saying is that when someone comes to you and say, we need a training solution, we mutually agreed that may very well be the case, but you got to step back. How in practical terms are you using the target model when you're beginning to engage with a client? How are you using this target model to help them? 
So to answer that question, I'm going to geek out on you just a little bit. For those of you in the HR world, and specifically if uh, uh, training organizations, you'll recognize this acronym, ADDIE, A-D-D-I-E, stands for Analysis, Design, Development, Implementation, Evaluation. So when in the training world, whenever we go to build content, we historically for a few, several decades now, have thought about it from an Addy perspective. We start with analysis, but the problem is with Addy is sometimes we're not really as, as looking at it as broad, we're, we're kind of stepping inside the box and saying, okay, so there's a training need. What do we need to, we need to analyze what the training need is and start there. And what Target allows us to do is step outside of that box and say, wait, uh, why do you think it's a training need? Oh, because they're not doing X, Y, or Z. Oh, so you mean you need to change someone's behavior? And, and, and then we start having a different conversation. Well, there's different ways to change people's behavior. What might be involved in that? Uh, what are our incentives, as I referred uh, back to in the previous example? So there's things that tearing down those preconceptions and, and shifting intentionally forcing us to step outside of our assumptions and perceptions, perspectives, that really is powerful. And uh, that is is kind of the secret sauce or the magic, if you will, of, of the target model. Rob, for those who are familiar with Addy, Addy's been around for quite some time and are now being introduced to your target model. I hope what the listeners now have picked up is that if you go down the pattern of following training development, the kind of the methodology that we all try to embrace, what I'm sensing is that the target model that you introduce in an organization is almost a precursor to Addy. And that is it really kind of helps zero in what is the problem. If the problem is training, then you would transition to use an Addy as a way to address it. But it could be other things. And I know that your company focuses on not only training, but also communication. But it's very clear to me, listening to you kind of explain your approach, you bring to a client very solid, grounded approach, meaning you're going to be recommending to a client something that is very much fact-based, based on looking at it from a very analytical standpoint and looking at issues from different perspectives. I'd yeah. like to go ahead. Do you want to elaborate on well, that? I, I, I want to also, so as you say that, I hear, yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. We look at things from a very analytical perspective, but it's not just an analytical perspective. We look at it from, and, and so the, here's, I, I, I'm always trying to see how do we, how do I gently push back question it's a it's a critical thinking skill set. So I would say my initial response was, yeah, but it's not just analytical. It's also emotional. What are the spiritual overtones to this inside of the organization? We we really to to think it's all about numbers and all about business and it's just the analysis is just the data sheet. It uh, can be an oversimplification of what it is that we really are aiming toward. And when you get into culture training, that's really where some of those other 
pieces because there will be an owner of a company who's built this puppy from prenatal stage and grown this organization into something, you know, significant, large, valuable, and now they're ready to sell this or turn it over to someone else. But they also want to hang on to the culture that made the company great, you, you know? And so a lot of times we'll work with, how do we communicate that? Because putting together, and a lot of times it'll be, well, we want this, uh, in the onboarding lesson, we need this piece of about history. Well, from a business perspective, it doesn't make any sense. The history of the organization from a cold calculating perspective, you know, how's that gonna make them do their job better? How is it going to make them more efficient? It, it doesn't. But is there something that culturally does need to be there? When do they need it? Maybe they don't need it during onboarding. Maybe it comes at six months in or a year and a half in that they need that dose right about the time when they're getting ready to, you know, I'm not sure if this is, I'm not sure if I'm glad I took this job. What, where does it make sense emotionally for them to really be able to, for it to resonate, for them to start sharing their own stories about ways they've impacted customers? So all of those different components come into play. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And Rob, I'm glad you kind of elaborated on that. You know, you and I both are kind of geeking out on these <laughs> models because this is kind of our world. The person listening here, if I'm putting myself in their shoes. Very good, Mike. Very I good. I hope I am. <laughs> uh, but I'm, what I'm hearing is that when you're working with clients, it it's not purely uh, an analytical. When you brought up culture, I think that's a perfect example. And that is when you're trying to either build or reinforce culture in an organization, we have to be mindful any and all organizations are comprised like any organization. It's a very dynamic. There's a lot of moving pieces. And what I'm hearing you describe is that when you're talking about things like culture, reinforcing culture, there's a lot that goes into it. You mentioned just one aspect, the feelings that it evokes. But there's so much more. You know, Rob, I know we're just kind of scratching the surface in this conversation, but would you be willing to share an example where perhaps you or a client got stuck and what did you do to get unstuck? Yeah. And yes. And, and, and even before I do that and help me remember to come back to this, but as you were talking about the culture, I just, I thought I want to share this really quick example of the culture piece. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be expensive. One of the most successful examples of really making a differentiating culture shift was a part of an organization where we said, you know what, when people sign up to work with our company, yeah, we're going to pay them well, we're going to try and, you know, attract the best and the brightest, but we want from day one there to be a, some something that's different about the experience. So what that looked like for them is every Monday morning when there was a new hire class starting, they invited them for breakfast in the cafe and everybody came in and kind of just visited and got to know their new teammate buddies for 30 minutes. And then at nine o'clock, everybody in the organization knew that nine o'clock there was a new training class coming in. So at 8.55, just before the walk down the hallway, whoever had availability, and usually it was somewhere between 15 to 30 people would just come down 
sneak inside of the training room. And as these people walked in the door, we just sat there and we applauded. Hey, welcome, welcome, yeah. And, and it was just like a pep rally at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. Do you think that any of these employees had ever worked at a company that applauded them on day one? And if you think about what that did to the employees that were in the room applauding every Monday morning, that was, that was priceless for those people who participated. And as you can imagine, people who are built from that perspective of, of affirmation, that was a power boost. And so some people would be there every week because it just did so much for them to honor people in that way. So uh, it doesn't, that didn't cost a lot of money. I mean, it was literally people's time walking down the hall, being there for five minutes and then waving goodbye. Have a great first day. We're so glad you're here. Powerful, powerful. That's the emotional piece, the spiritual piece of connecting with other human beings that will leave a mark. And then we've got to follow it up as an organization, all those other things. It's got to be converging, but that really sets them on the path. Now, you asked me a different question. Very quickly, remind me what that was. Of course. Oh. An example of where either you or a client got stuck. Yes. Okay. So here's, here's and, and what I love about you asking this question is I wanted to also point out that this is, uh, think of this as an overlay. So if, you know, we use Addy or we use uh, Six Thinking Hats or some other uh, tool, Target just is an overlay to help us make sure that we, we're staying true. Are we questioning as we are iterating? Are we, what, what could we question here? And what could we take another look at? Something doesn't feel quite right. And anybody on the team can kind of call for that to happen at any point in time. So here's a, a classic example. A sales organization hired us to come in and build um, some sales training for, it was, it was their annual sales training event. So all of the salespeople from across the country came in for the rah-rah first of the year meeting. They had a new implementation of Salesforce customization. So they'd had generic Salesforce for a number of years, and now they were going to have it do some very specific customized things for their client base because they needed more consistency inside of the tool. And as we talked through the design and we put together a prototype of what the design was, I said to the national sales leader, I said, so you're feeling good about this training solution. Yeah, yeah. We're excited to be there for you and excited to be a partner with you in this. Let me ask you a question. Are we pretending that on Monday morning when the sales people go back into the field, are we pretending that they're actually going to do this? <laughs> and he looked, he looked at me, he was like, and the look on his face said, well, I sure as heck hope so, because we're paying you good money to, you know, put this together for us. And I said, before he even answered, I said, have they ever done that before? And he looked at me with a sick feeling, as a sick look on his face, he said, they're not going to do it, are they? And I said, no, they're not. So this is really, really important that we have this aha moment now, because we need to plan for what the implementation of this. If we want to see behavior change, we've got to question the, you know, we're stuck. We thought it's going to be the, the classic book, Telling Ain't Training.
we thought we were going to tell them what to do and suddenly this they're going to be transformed and so what that led to was we put together a really neat incentive program where they competed as team members against one another and against other teams so one of their team members in the huddle had to come up with they they applied what they'd learned they talked about it as a team they decided on one team member that was the most uh, the furthest along in adaptation to the new expectation and they submitted their record to the salesforce uh, admin for review and if everything was there they got a point and so it was not only a race to be the first one to from the team to be put forward and presented on behalf of the team but it was also a race as a team and they got additional points if the whole team were certified before others and so there and there were three little different levels of tchotchkes one was a tumbler kind of thing that everybody who you know knew you knew that that's what that meant and then another one was a name badge that was salesforce guru or something like that uh, trailhead i think as their terminology and then the third was a hoodie that the the team was going to be presented with in the fall so really really neat way because otherwise it's just a, a one and done or we also refer to it as a, a spray and pray <laughs> spray the training and just pray that it, it sticks but this this became a life-changing and a behavior-changing kind of event as a result of being willing to have that conversation rob i love this example it may be the first time that i've had a guest share an example by which by doing what was done, you prevented them from getting stuck based on past experience. So that was a perfect way of doing that. We are about to wrap up here, and I want to make sure if folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect with you online? Yeah, so through our website, there's a form, a contact form there for sure. You can also email me our our intake email is info, I-N-F-O, at convergingsolutions.com. And we can put that in the, in the notes, I guess, attached to the show, I think is the way that I recall you doing that, and our website address. And, and we can also put my phone number out there. So that's exactly what we'll do. We will include your contact information to include your website, perhaps even your LinkedIn profile, so people can yeah. reach out to Rob. Thank you very much for sharing your insights and sharing a little bit about how you help clients with Converging Solutions. I appreciate your time today. Thank you again, Mike, for all you do and the difference you're making in for businesses. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we're thanking left and right because I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. Every Thursday, we upload the latest episode to all the major platforms. So if you haven't already, please subscribe. Got a question for you. Are people problems keeping you up at night? If yes, let's talk. Head to Bench-Builders to schedule a quick call. We'll explore ways to help you solve your people problems so you can again focus on growing your business. So I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you've picked up on some tips from Rob that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.